Section 3 of Days on the Road, Crossing the Plains in 1865 by Sarah Raymond Herndon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Icarian Community Friday, May 12th, Brother Hillhouse's Birthday. He is 20 years old. We made a birthday cake for him last night. We divided it into 20 pieces at lunch today and there was just enough to go around and leave two pieces for himself the girls say we must have some kind of jollification tonight i hope they will leave me out for i want to write about the Icarian community we came through queen city this morning and this afternoon came to a town of french people called the Icarian community called to dinner later they have excused me but why i carrion i cannot understand for certainly they did not impress me as high flyers neither as flyers at all they seemed the most humdrum slow-going even tenor all dressed alike folks i have ever seen every dwelling is exactly alike log cabins of one room with one door, one window, a fireplace with stick chimney. I rode close by the open doors of some of the houses and tried to talk with the women, but we could not understand each other at all. The floors, windows, and everything in the houses were scrupulously clean, but not one bit of brightness or color, not a thread of carpet or a rug, and all the women's and girls dresses made of heavy blue denim with white kerchiefs around the shoulders and pinned across the front of the waist the skirt above the ankles and very narrow and heavy thick-soled shoes the men and boys all looked alike too but i did not observe them closely enough to describe them there are several large long buildings one with a large bell in belfry on top of building they are dining room town hall schoolhouse and two others i did not learn what they are used for all the buildings are one story of the plainest architecture for the one purpose of shelter from sun and storm there is not a thing to ornament or beautify not a shade tree or flower yet everything men women children houses yards and streets are as clean as they can be made they are peaceable law-abiding citizens live entirely independent of the people of adjoining neighborhoods they are supposed to be wealthy the town is the center of well-cultivated and well-stocked farms the principle upon which the community is founded is brotherly love a sort of cooperative communism in which all things are the common property of all they live upon what their farms produce have vast herds of cattle and sheep a fine site for their town and seem the picture of contentment which is better than riches we stopped within sight of quincy and another camping outfit we soon learned they are mr harding and mr morrison and family from lewis county we are acquainted with mr harding and have often heard of the morrisons 
mr morrison and mr harding came over and the men have had a sociable gossiping time this evening the men can surpass the women gossiping any time notwithstanding the general belief to the contrary the young folks have been playing games to celebrate hillhouse's birthday they had hard work to get him to join them a swing among the trees saturday may thirteenth we drove only until noon and stopped to stay over sunday so that we can do our washing and baking without violating the sabbath we do not have collars and cuffs and fine starched things to do up but we have a great many pocket handkerchiefs aprons stockings etc we have pretty bead collars made of black and white beads tied with a ribbon that always look nice and do not get soiled we are in a beautiful grove of trees the boys have put up a swing there is nothing in the way of play that i enjoy as i do a good high swing there are plenty of boys to swing us as high as we want to go i fear the sabbath will be desecrated with play tomorrow, if not with work for the temptation to swing will be hard to resist sunday may fourteenth the horses went off two or three miles last night the men were all off bright and early this morning hunting them mr kerfoot found them and came back about nine o'clock by the time they were all here the morning's work was finished and we were ready for what a day to spend in rest and service for the master oh no a day spent in swinging frivolous conversation and fun i am ashamed to tell it but it is nevertheless true and i believe we all thought less about a service of worship than we did last sunday it is so hard to get right if we do not start right we have visitors in camp tonight two gentlemen from clark county neighbors of the kerfoots mr souter and mr rain they started for the gold mines in montana two or three weeks ago after reaching the missouri river they heard such frightful stories of indian depredations being committed on the plains that they sold their outfit for what they could get and are returning home on horseback poor fellows how i pity any man that has so little grit i should think they would be ashamed to show their faces to their neighbors and say we were afraid so we came back home i believe mrs kerfoot is the only one of our party who would be willing to turn back and perhaps she would not if it were put to the test we would not like to be scalped and butchered by the indians but it does seem so cowardly to run away from a possible danger the everlasting arms are underneath god can and will take care of us on the plains as anywhere he is leading us through unknown paths we can trust him heaven is as near one place as another our second sunday has not been much of an improvement on our first the first we worked 
today we have played the boys swung us all morning until we were ready to holler nuff we had sunday dinner between two and three o'clock then we wrote letters to friends at home read until sleepy took a nap of an hour then mr souter and mr rain came and we listened to their frightful stories of what the indians are doing to emigrants i left them in disgust to come and record our misdoings of this our second sunday on the road it is almost bedtime and i must make the beds for we are early to bed and early to rise while on this trip a fatal accident monday may fifteenth alas alas how can i write the disastrous happenings of this day my hand trembles and my pencil refuses to write intelligibly when i attempt to record the sad oh so sad accident that has befallen us we parted from our visitors this morning and started on our way feeling rested and glad to be journeying on again how little we knew of what a day would bring forth we stopped for lunch at noon in a little vale or depression on the prairie but where there was no water just as we had finished our lunch neelie came she said to see if we could make an exchange for the afternoon her mother riding with mine and i with the young folks in the family wagon of course it was soon arranged and i told her i would come as soon as i helped mother put things away we sometimes visit in this way mrs kerfoot soon came around and when everything was ready i started to go to their wagon it was the last one in the train as i was passing mr milburn's wagon he called to me to come and get a drink of water he had taken a long walk and found clear pure water not very cold but much better than none at all i gratefully accepted a cup he and his sister then invited me to ride with them i told them of my engagement with neelie and of course they excused me oh that i had accepted their invitation just such a little thing as that might have prevented this dreadful accident such great events turn on such little hinges sometimes about three o'clock in the afternoon as we were plodding along after the fashion of emigrant teams we young people in the last wagon having a jolly sociable time with song and laughter fun and merriment the front wagon stopped ezra who was driving turned out of the road and passed some of the wagons to see what the trouble was mr kerfoot came running toward us calling to neelie get the camphor daughter mr milburn has shot himself somehow and has fainted ezra got out to go with him and neelie asked shall we come too papa no my daughter you girls would better stay here your ma and mrs raymond are with gus and they will know what to do before he had finished what he was saying they were running to the place of the accident we could only wait hoping and praying oh so earnestly that it might not prove so serious as mr kerfoot's manner and tone caused us to fear afterward winthrop came to us 
he was pale with compressed lips and sad eyes he came up close leaned upon the wagon wheel and said in a low tone he is dead oh how dreadful we all left the wagon and went to the front as fast as we could i have gathered from witnesses the following account of how it happened there was a flock of prairie chickens ahead of the wagons to the left of the road mr milburn and several of the boys took their guns and were going to try to thin their number the wagons had not halted but were moving slowly on the hunters had gone on a little in advance of the wagons they tried to fire altogether one of the boys snapped two caps on his gun it failed to go off so he threw the gun into the front wagon and took his whip in disgust the wagon had moved on to where mr milburn was standing with his gun raised there was a shot mr milburn dropped to his knees turned and looked at his sister saying gus i am shot and fell forward on his face she was in the next wagon bereavement gus screamed and jumped from the wagon ran to her brother and raised his head in her arms all who were near enough to hear her scream ran to them and she said john has hurt himself with his gun and has fainted bring restoratives quick in a few seconds there were half a dozen bottles with brandy camphor ammonia there and every effort was made to restore him but all in vain he died instantly and without a struggle when mr kerfoot knew he was dead he looked for the wound and found a bullet hole between his shoulders just then one of the boys picked up his gun where he had dropped it and exclaimed it was not this gun that did the mischief for it is cold and the load is in it on looking around to find where the deadly shot had come from someone took hold of the gun in the front wagon why this gun is warm it must have been this gun went off oh no it could not have been that gun for there was no cap on it said the boy who had thrown the gun there circumstances proved that it was the gun without a cap that did the fatal shooting i would have supposed as the boy did that it was perfectly harmless without a cap i have heard it said it is the unloaded gun or the one that is supposed to be unloaded that generally does the mischief no doubt the hammer was thrown back when he threw it in the wagon on investigating we found a rut in the wheel track just where he fell it is possible that when the front wheel dropped into the rut with a jolt the hammer fell igniting the powder either by the combustible matter that stuck or by the flash occasioned by the metal striking together mr milburn was not opposite the wagon when he raised his gun to shoot but the wagons were moving slowly and the front one came up with him as he was taking aim and that was why gus thought it was his own gun she saw the smoke rise he stumbled and fell to his knees she called to him why john what made you fall he looked around at her and said oh gus i'm shot the last words he spoke 
how hard to be reconciled to such a dispensation when such a little thing could have prevented it only one step in either direction or the gun pointed the other way why oh why has this awful thing happened the poor boy seems to be as heart-stricken as gus in her unselfish grief she has been trying to comfort him i have read of a minister of the gospel who dreamed that he died after entering the gates of heaven he was led into a large empty room on the walls of which his whole life was spread out as a panorama he saw all the events of his life and many that had been hard to understand in his lifetime were here made clear and through it all the guiding protecting hand of god had been over him perhaps mr milburn is saved from a worse fate we were about three miles from frankfort when the accident happened we came on here as soon as possible a sorrowing and oh so sorrowful procession now it does not seem that we can ever be the merry party that we have been winthrop had been riding dick he stood there ready saddled and bridled when mr milburn fell frank mounted my pony and rode as fast as he could go to frankfort to get a doctor mr milburn was dead before he was out of sight we met them as we came a room has been rented and mr milburn prepared for his last long sleep the people of frankfort are very kind and sympathetic a funeral tuesday may sixteenth the boys sat up with the corpse last night i stayed with gus we had only just shut ourselves in when a terrific storm came upon us the wind blew and the rain fell in torrents before eleven o'clock it had passed and soon after gus slept heavily it seemed hours before i slept very early this morning gus awakened me praying how surely do the sorrows of this life drive us to the mercy seat for comfort refuge and strength had earth no thorns among its flowers and life no fount of tears we might forget our better home beyond this veil of tears what a precious what a comforting satisfying faith the presbyterian faith must be if one can really and conscientiously accept it according to their belief one never dies nothing ever happens without god's providence approval and foreknowledge that it will happen in just that way i wish i could accept such a faith and believe it but i cannot i do not believe it was ordained that mr milburn should die in that way and at that time i believe it was an accident that might have been prevented by the most trivial circumstance the laws of nature are inexorable if a bullet is shot into a vital part of the body it kills yet god is able to bring good out of this seemingly great and grievous evil i do not know which suffers most the poor boy whose gun did the deed or gus they seem to take comfort in each other's society 
and are together the most of the time today. I am so sorry for both of them. The funeral services of the Presbyterian Church were held at two o'clock this afternoon. A resident minister officiating. Mr. Milburn was very nicely laid away, and his grave marked and enclosed with a neat, strong fence before Gus and I left the cemetery. The people have been so very kind. The funeral was largely attended for a stranger in a strange place. There is no telegraph office here, so we have had to write letters instead of sending telegrams. I believe Gus's plans are to go with us to the Missouri River, sell her outfit, and return home by steamboat down the Missouri River, up the Mississippi to Canton, where friends will meet her and go with her to Etna. Wednesday, May 17th. Another night with Gus. She wakes in the morning to weep. We started once more on our now sad journey. I have ridden with Gus all day. We do not hear the sound of song and laughter as we did last week. We all seem to be under a pall. We came through Red Oak this morning, are camping in a beautiful place, near a pleasant, home-like farmhouse. The weather is perfect. Thursday, May 18th. The friends that stayed with us Sunday night told us that the authorities are not allowing emigrants to take the northern route because of the Indian depredations that have been committed on that route, that if we went to Council Bluffs, we would have to come down the river to Plattsmouth to get on the southern route, so we changed our course accordingly. We came through White Cloud, Glenwood, and Pacific City today. At White Cloud I made a few purchases, traded with a little German merchant who crossed the plains a year ago. He says we have a delightful trip before us. He expects to go again to the Rocky Mountains to make his home there as soon as he can sell out and settle up his business here. Just before we came to Glenwood, as the girls passed on their ponies, Gus said to me, Sally, go ride your pony too. You have not had a ride in several days. Pardon me if I have been selfish in my great sorrow. No, Gus, I would rather stay with you than to ride Dick, as long as you need me. Thank you, dear. Your company has been very grateful to me, but now I would really enjoy seeing you ride through Glenwood. To please her, and myself too, I soon had saddled and mounted Dick and overtaken the girls. As we were riding through Glenwood, a photographer sent a messenger to request us to please stop five minutes and let him take our picture. We rode to the position indicated, doffed our sunbonnets, and looked as pleasant as we could. We did not wait to see the proof, and I expect he was disappointed. Pacific City is on the Missouri bottom, or lowlands. Above the town are the highest bluffs I have ever seen. We hitched our ponies and climbed to the top. The view was magnificently grand, the sun sinking in the west, the river could be seen in the distance, with large trees on the banks. The lowland between the bluffs and the trees was dotted with cattle and horses grazing, here and there a pond or small lake 
with its waters shining and sparkling in the glimmering sunset the city below us in the shadow of the bluffs everything was so sweet and peaceful we were more than paid for our climb the wagons had passed before we came down so we mounted and hastened to overtake them before driving into camp on the banks of the big muddy our journey across iowa at an end we are on the banks of the big muddy opposite plattsmouth we will stay here until gus's things are sold and we have seen her off on the steamboat i stay with her nights and this afternoon is the first time i have left her since the fifteenth friday may nineteenth i went over to plattsmouth on the ferryboat this morning with some friends that are camping near us to do some shopping for gus i bought a black bonnet crepe veil and collar and material for black suit which we will make up in camp as there is a dressmaker with us i was away about five hours and came back tired and hungry the weather is perfect we have a very pleasant place to camp and pleasant people camping near us we are surrounded on all sides by emigrants camps and still they come it seems like a young town only the houses are built of canvas instead of lumber brick or stone the boys have put up a swing but i have no time for swinging today. saturday may twentieth we have had a very very busy day mr kerfoot has sold gus's wagon and team three yoke of oxen for five hundred and fifty dollars a good price everyone says more than they cost them i believe the freight will be sold at auction we have all helped with gus's suit and it is almost finished hillhouse went up to council bluffs this morning expecting to bring brother mac back with him instead of finding him he got a letter also the one i wrote a week ago saying he was not coming he has decided to study medicine and will come west when he is an md we are disappointed of course yet perhaps it is for the best we must try and believe so anyway most perfect weather the morrison and harding outfit have come also several other families from lewis and clark counties the kerfoots are acquainted with some of them they had heard of the sad accident some of them were friends of mr milburn end of section three